In vino veritas, in wine there is truth. Old Latin saying about people who consume alcohol are more likely to tell the truth. And when wine is a multi-million, if not billion dollar industry, the truth is that fraud is out there as well. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Gene Tausk. As always, welcome to my White Collar Crime and Fraud podcast. Hope everybody's having a good 2024 so far. I'd like to, this podcast is um, for me a little bit personal. As you saw in the introduction, we're going to be talking about wine fraud. Um, the reason it's kind of personal is because my late father was uh, very much um, into wine. He enjoyed drinking it. Uh, he spoke many, many languages, including Italian, French, German, excuse me, and um, uh, Romanian. So he could speak about wine culture very freely because of uh, his knowledge of these languages. And uh, he actually had experience in making wine when he was growing up in, uh, in Romania when he was a youth. So it's uh, for him, it was personal. Um, I enjoy a good glass of wine now and then. To be honest, my favorite wine is from the uh, nation of Georgia, former Soviet Republic of Georgia. Now, I'm the Georgian nation. We talked about Georgia uh, once in an earlier podcast. So, um, it is my favorite kind of wine. But um, I, don't, I never really got into it as much as my dad did. But I, when I was doing some research, I was shocked to find out that wine fraud is a very big issue here in the world today. So, um, I thought, well, why not talk about this a little bit? After all, any kind of fraud, which um, fraud by its very nature steals money from people or affects people in various ways, and why should wine be any different? I was amazed to learn that wine is actually a multi-billion dollar worldwide business, and it's, uh, I mean, to me it was shocking, but I guess it shouldn't be. Wine is uh, certainly one of the most popular alcoholic beverages in the world. It's been around since forever. The... Uh, um, Romans and Greeks drank it. It uh, was very much a part of um, Europe, certainly in the uh, Middle Ages through the present day. Um, there's also wine-producing regions here in America, in Australia, and um, wine is very popular in uh, East Asia, um, having been introduced there by various explorers. So it's, uh, it really is interesting to me how much wine really is a part of society. And like anything else, there's um, a hierarchy as to which wines are considered superior. Now, once again, I have to relate that I am not a wine expert by any means. I can certainly tell the difference between a, a low-class a low bottle of wine and an expensive bottle of wine, but if you were to present to me a bottle of wine that cost $500 versus a bottle of wine that cost $250, I don't think I would be able to taste the 
difference and certainly wouldn't be able to justify a $250 cost. But for some people, it's a very big thing. You can even become a master of wine, which is a very taxing and exacting process. And many fine restaurants throughout the world have their own wine masters, masters of wine on staff to help their patrons select wine. So it is a, it is a big industry, and as such, of course, it's subject to fraud, just like any other industry. So um, I guess for me, what's interesting about this is just, uh, I always thought of wine just as an alcoholic beverage. Uh, it's certainly a part of culture, of uh, many different European cultures and American culture as well. It's also, of course, part of the religious ritual for um, many Christian churches. Uh, certainly um, the Catholic Church uses wine, uh, the uh, Orthodox churches, many Protestant denominations do as well, um, to represent the blood of Christ. So it it really plays a, a very, wine plays very much a significant role in the lives of many people. So whether you drink wine or not, it is a, it is a part of our society. So let's start talking about um, how, what is wine fraud? Well, probably the most um I guess the largest part of wine fraud or most obvious part would be um, the use of additives to deceive somebody and that's generally when wine is in production. Um, I don't know how wine is made aside from the very basic uh, um, I, the basic knowledge of fermenting grapes but the actual fermentation of the grapes and the process by which the grapes are fermented not to mention the grapes themselves and the soil in which the grapes are grown on is very much um, a part of you know how a wine is classified. I believe me, I don't speak French, but if you look at a region, if you look at the country of France, you'll see different regions there, and some of these regions will um, be well known to people who love wine, like uh, Bordeaux, for example. And obviously, Bordeaux comes from that region of wine. And also, there's a lot of litigation that can ensue as to if, if a wine is mislabeled. We'll get to that later. So, um, using additives to mask the true taste of wine or mask where it comes from or deceive the buyer is really as old as wine itself. It's the idea being that if a wine says it's from a certain region and it's not from a certain region, that is deception and by its very nature that is fraud. So, um, when so if there's additives that are used into um, in these wines and somebody is buying a bottle of wine or bottles of wine more likely and does not know about these additives or is fooled as to the nature of these additives um, that of course is fraud and that can influence the price of the wine for example as I mentioned a really good bottle of wine can easily cost a hundred dollars and that's the low end um, very good bottles of wine run into hundreds even thousands of dollars now Look, let's face it, some of this, of course, may be an element of snobbishness saying I'm buying a $10,000 bottle of wine, whether or not a person can actually taste the $10,000 in that bottle of wine is, you know, <coughs> that's a that's a argument of debate, let's put it that way. But still, if a person is spending a lot of money on wine, or even spending a little bit of money based on where they believe the wine is coming from and how it should taste, the use of these additives for destroying the taste or masking the taste means that the person is buying a product that he did not intend to purchase. And that in and of itself is problematic and fraud. Once again, I very much like Georgian wines and they have a certain taste that I like. If I buy a bottle of Georgian wine and some additives have been placed in that wine which uh, have um, masked the taste or dil dilute the taste, well, I'm not really getting my money's worth. 
Uh, Georgian wine is certainly not that expensive here in the United States, at least not in Houston. But I have a right, if I'm even if I'm spending 15 bucks on this bottle of wine, to get a bottle of wine with the taste I want. So um, that's the use of additives is um, one of these things as well. Uh, one, an example of fraud, an example of wine fraud. Another um, uh, example of wine fraud, and this uh, goes back to Greek and Roman times, is diluting the product. Now, um, wine is uh, made of grapes, as we all know, and certainly water is added to the process. But there's a way of measuring the alcohol content of the wine, and if too much water is used, that can dilute the alcohol content of the wine, and so the wine is not up to the specifications it should be. And um, that, that idea of how much water should be added to wine or how much water should be mixed with wine is an art and science all its own. That's certainly not the point of this, fraud, point of this uh, podcast. However, I think it's fair to state that if a wine is uh, labeled, say, at uh, 14% alcohol content, um, or we would say 28 proof here in the United States, um, then 14% is what the person should expect. If it's been diluted where the alcohol content is much lower, say 7-8%, well, that is a form of fraud right there because the person, I mean, let's face it, one of the reasons people drink wine is for the effect of the alcohol. And uh, one of the reasons wine is so popular is that it can be enjoyed because it has a relatively low alcohol content. and um, But it still has an alcohol content and people expect to have a certain alcohol content with it. And if the wine is supposed to be have 14% alcohol and instead it has 7%, once again, this is an example of fraud. If this was done deliberately, if the wine was diluted deliberately. And also, it goes without saying that um, wines that have lesser alcohol content usually are less expensive. And so if you're spending, uh, once again, a good deal of money for a bottle of wine that should have a certain alcohol content and it doesn't, well, you're being cheated and of course that's fraud. So. That's um, one part of it. Now, probably the most common type of wine fraud is the affixing of counterfeit labels. And um, in other words, let's say your wine is being produced from an area which is known for very expensive and very fine wines, and that label um, proves that the wine is from that area. And then it turns out the label is counterfeit and it's not from that area. Well, obviously that's fraud right there. You're mislabeling something, especially if it was done deliberately. And that, of course, can lead to situations where um, <clears throat> somebody is buying what they expect to be a, an expensive bottle of wine. And um, it turns out they're buying something fraudulent, a bottle of wine they didn't want. Now, we can argue all day as to whether or not it's worth it to spend $500 on a bottle of wine, but if you have the money and you've obtained that money legally and you want to expend the money on that money on a, what you believe to be a worthwhile bottle of wine and that bottle of wine is $500, well, it's your money. Go ahead and spend it as you want. However, you also have the right to know that you are buying a wine from that region. So um, governments have, ex they've really tried to put um, a lot of resources toward this to make sure the labels accurately reflect where the wine is from. For example, um, a good example is that there's a certain type of Hungarian wine called Tokai, and I don't speak Hungarian either, but um, many people, including myself, like Tokai. It's a dessert wine, but it's a protected brand in that it has to come from a certain region of Hungary. And if a person is buying this uh, bottle of wine and they believe it's Tokai wine, they have a right to know that it is Tokai wine from Hungary. And if it's not, and it's mislabeled, well, once again, they're purchasing a product which has been sold to them through deceit, otherwise known as fraud.
So um, the French government, for obvious reasons, has expended a great deal of effort and energy into making certain that the labeling is correct and that um, if a person is buying wine from a certain region of France, the labeling has to reflect that it is from that region and is actually a crime to um, certainly to intentionally uh, put false labels on a bottle of wine which says that it comes from a certain region and it doesn't. And um, the French government and other governments as well, I'm just using the French government as an example because wine is very much a part of French culture and they take it seriously and the French government to protect its own interests, not to mention the interests of its winemakers, it does go through a lot of effort to make sure that wine labels are correctly made. And if a person knows, if the wine label says the wine is coming from a certain region, then that person buying the bottle has every reason to feel um, justified and feel secure knowing that the money he is spending is the money that is for that bottle of wine from that region. Now, obviously, it's becoming more and more difficult to do this. Uh, but it is still out there, and this is called label fraud as well. And label fraud, if it's going to be done well, it's actually a pretty big operation. It requires bottles, corks, and packaging to be manipulated. And um, it's not an easy process, but if somebody wants to make a lot of money and pass off wine as being from a region which is worth the expensive investment, and it's not, well, that's the person selling the wine can actually make quite a bit of money on this. Uh, there was a... Um, Famous example of this, uh, there's a wine collector by the name of um, uh, Hardy Rodenstock, Hardy Rodenstock in the 80s and 90s, who hosted a series of high-profile wine-tasting events of uh, what were thought to be rare and expensive vintages, and of course people would pay to come to these events, and um, as it turns out, uh, this was not the case, um, and uh, for example, um, at one such event, uh, Rodenstock produced 125 vintages of uh, Chateau de la Quine, um, including a rare bottle from this vintage. And um, Rodenstock also sold many bottles of what were thought to be these uh, very expensive vintages. And some of these actually were thought to be vintages that were owned by uh, one of the American presidents, Thomas Jefferson. Now, I don't know how that's possible. I don't know why, how wine can be preserved for 200 years or more, but whatever, that shows what I know about it. And it was determined that these bottles were fake. And um, this, of course, creates a lot of problems because people are selling these wines, which are supposed to be um, wines of a certain vintage or, you know, wines that belong to somebody such as Thomas Jefferson or came from Thomas Jefferson's wine winery, if there is such a thing. But um, it turns out that it's not the case. There was actually a case not too long ago, which I actually heard about on a radio program, that uh, Joseph Stalin, the infamous uh, dictator of the Soviet Union, he had a private wine stock as well. And Stalin was actually from uh, Georgia. His real name was Drugashvili. And um, there was a lot of mix-up about that. I don't think the vintages were ever sold, but people were actually trying to um, track down these vintages from Joseph Stalin. I don't think anything ever came of it. Um and once again, if the person believes they're buying or tasting such wines, and they're not, and this was done intentionally, well, it is fraud. Um, other, another example of label fraud was an individual by the name of Rudy um, Kurniawan. He was arrested in 2012 and indicted for fraud. Allegedly, he was buying large stocks of um, Burgundy and relabeling them as more expensive wines. And, of course, people fell for this and bought this, and 
you lose money. So this is an example of wine fraud, mislabeling. And once again, of course, mislabeling is very, to me, it would seem anyway, it would be very, very difficult to get away with in today's world. But just be, as always, if there's money to be made from a fraudulent activity, people will find some way to do it, even if it means taking that extra step. So moving on, we talked about wine blending as um, uh, adding additives to wine as being a part of wine fraud. In this case, um, blending grape varieties is a fairly common and accepted way of uh, having different types of wines. And um, the blending, there are, um, there are wine experts who will say certain types of dark vintages are more expensive and well worth the money because they come from a certain type of grape. And so if dark grapes are mixed with lighter grapes and the person is fooled into believing that it is an entirely dark vintage when it isn't, once again, they're buying a wine that is actually a fraudulent wine and they're not getting what they expected to actually get. And um, there's also the use, speaking of additives in wine, the illegal use of sugar to boost the alcohol content of certain wines. Um, I'm not sure of the chemistry behind this, but once again, uh, the fermentation process of wines is very, very important as to how the wine will eventually taste and how the wine, the alcohol content of the wine. And this has to be done, at least wine experts think it has to be done anyway, in a very specific and a very natural way to make sure that the taste is preserved. And if the person is rushing the process using sugar or other types of additives, well, the person may be fooled into buying a vintage, which was not done correctly, and they're not getting what they expected to get. Now, one thing that's interesting to me in this whole matter is that, you know, a lot of what is considered a good wine obviously comes from the history of the region itself, but also how the wine tastes. I mean, wine is very much a personal and subjective matter as to what kind of wine a person likes. I mean, my wife, for example, does not like sweet wines. She likes dry wines. And she does not appreciate the fact that I like the Georgian wines, uh, the Kinsmar Raleigh wines, because they tend to be on the sweeter side. However, um, the wines that are made this way, the Georgian wines or the Chardonnays my wife likes or whatever, are made in a certain way that the taste, you can expect what kind of taste is there. And that's, of course, why you like the taste. If this taste is being altered through the use of sugar or other additives, and you're buying a bottle of wine, which um, on the market would fetch a certain price, but actually is a lower price because of these additives, once again, that is a ripoff. What I find interesting, though, is that the subject of wine itself is very much subjective in the sense that, as I said, there are wine masters out there. People have taken a great deal of time to study how wines are made and how to taste wines, and there's wine tastings. When I was growing up, wine tastings were a big thing. I don't know if there still are. But certainly, um, wine pairings are very, very, um, still very popular in uh, certain restaurants. But because wine is so subjective, there's always a question, and this is a defense that's used many times in wine fraud, is the taste is so subjective, how can you tell it comes from an inferior grape or it comes from a region where it says it's supposed to come from? And a lot of that is based on statistical analysis and that you have, well, five wine experts here saying that this is not the taste it should be, that sort of thing. But it's a lot less, let's say it's just a lot less um, uh, direct or a lot less objective than many other types of fraud. It's easy to tell if you've been ripped off for money because you don't have money. If somebody says this is a bottle of wine which comes from this region, and it turns out it may not have come to this region, but one wine expert is saying it does, another wine expert is saying it doesn't, how do you argue it? So 
it is a very important um, to me anyway as somebody who works with fraud it is very interesting that there is really there sometimes can be very subjective views as how these things work and this leads to certainly if you're defending a wine fraud case very interesting examples of um, how you might defend with this sort of thing now when we talk about additives uh, sometimes these additives can actually be harmful in 1985 um, diethylene glycol was added as an uh, adulterant to some Austrian wines and um, this uh, created problems 23 people in 1986 23 people died because of a fraudulent winemaker in Italy blending toxic me toxic methyl alcohol with low alcohol wine so it's not just a question is this person getting the wine that he wants it might also be a question the person may actually be ingesting something which is very harmful to them and he's an example today a much more direct example in the United States we have a huge problem with fentanyl and other drugs which are being laced with uh, very poisonous products and unfortunately many people are dying in, uh, because of the fentanyl problems we have here and they're taking drugs which are counterfeit drugs that is to say they weren't made under the correct laboratory conditions so what they're taking is something that their bodies that, that wasn't prescribed to them and it might actually be poisonous and such a thing does happen with even such a simple thing as wine itself and when I say simple I don't mean to degrade it in any way I'm simply saying that um, wine has been around for thousands of years It's actually been a part of human civilization for thousands of years and yet we still have problems facing the uh, wine adulteration that would face any other type of drug or alcoholic substance. Now one of the things I find fascinating about all this as well is that not only is the wine industry huge but reputations are made on this. I mean there are ways in which a person who devotes himself to the wine industry and keep in mind as well some of these wineries have been known for centuries by families or um, have, are willing to be bought out by corporations because of their reputation. And so one of the, part of the value that's placed on these wines is the fact that they come from this certain region, they have this taste, and they have this reputation which goes back centuries. And that's a very important thing. Um, like I said, I'm, if you're really into this, this can be something critical as to how you examine whether or not it's a worthwhile investment. And just like somebody invests in any other type of product, you can invest in a winery, you can invest in wine production. And if you're going to invest in something, obviously you want to have a return on your investment. That's the whole point of it. And so when a wine is, you invest in a wine which comes from a certain region or a winery which comes from a certain region, and you find out that you have a competitor who claims they're coming from that same region, you have to spend time and money to prove that competitor wrong and possibly shut that competitor down. And this, of course, can take a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of activity. So, with all this in mind, the idea of wine fraud, it, yes, it's not, in the sense, it's not as proven. Well, let me rephrase that. It's not something which can affect as many people as, say, bank fraud or wire fraud or hackers or computer fraud, internet fraud, that sort of thing. But it is still a problem for people who wish to invest and actually continue the production of wine. Now, with uh, changing climates and with um, changing soils, wine production, and this is nothing new, this has been going on for centuries as well, wine production has its ups and downs. So, another type of wine fraud, which is becoming more and more prevalent, is that if an investor or a group of investors is willing to buy a winery or look at a, to invest in a winery, they have to know the long-term prognosis of their investment. If their investment, for example, is in a region 
which gets so much rainfall a year and then it turns out it's actually not getting that type of rainfall because of climactic conditions changing climactic conditions or because once again using fraud fraudulent weather reports they may find their investment cannot pay off simply because the natural process will no longer support it after all just because a region has been famous for its wine for hundreds of years doesn't mean that region will continue to be famous for its wine uh, there are no guarantees certainly not in life and certainly not with the natural process so all these things are taken into account and um, wine fraud like i said for me it's interesting because of my family history but it's also interesting in that it's a fraud that's been going on thousands of years the greeks and romans complained about wine dilution and they also complained about mislabeling as well uh, for my listeners who have ever seen the excellent mini series actually it's a television series now uh, spartacus on um, i think it's the stars network here in the states it was four seasons but the um it talks about the spartacan revolt the third survival revolt of rome against rome by spartacus and his uh, group of gladiators but there's several scenes in there where uh, the owners of the places that where gladiators are trained the laniste are um, trying to buy the owners are trying to buy wine and they're complaining that these wines are being mislabeled and they thought they were spending money on this good vintage it turns out to be lousy vintage so this is nothing new and you can actually read some history accounts where people complain about lousy vintages so it is a uh, it's um, it is very much a historical phenomenon as well and it will continue so wine fraud it is something which is part of today's life it's been a part of life for thousands of years um, because wine has been a part uh, certainly of western countries west of european countries in america for hundreds of years and it's a part of many cultures and civilizations and so one thing i have found in researching this it's not only a question of money that's being lost but pride and reputation uh, there are regions like i said of france of italy of germany and not to mention countries like georgia that have been producing wines for centuries and if it suddenly turns out that their wine is being that the their brand for lack of a better term is being assaulted by fraud that can affect the cultural uh, mores and the cultural traditions of that area as well uh, the only thing i can put it to in contemporary times is anybody who knows me knows i'm a fanatic about the ohio state buckeyes that's where i went to school so obviously I love the Buckeyes and suddenly I find out there would be a Buckeye cheating scandal now we don't do that of course not Ohio State but if there was I would be of course deeply upset and hurt and for these wine producing regions of Europe and the Americas and by the way not only that like I said Australia countries of the former Soviet Union South America has some excellent vintages as well for these countries for these regions a lot is writing on the line their reputations and their histories and fraud can affect those reputations and histories and in some ways that makes it even more of a burden more of a an issue because once those reputations are gone for many countries for many areas that affects how they look at the world and how the world looks at them so anyway um that is wine fraud and an analysis of wine fraud hope everybody enjoyed this podcast and like i said i hope everybody's having a good 2024 and if you're so inclined get a nice bottle of wine from a reputable dealer an excellent vintage and raise a toast take care